God is so good. Let me invite you, please, uh, to stand to your feet and open up your Bible as we look into the Word this morning. I rarely ever do this, but I believe I definitely need to do this this morning. I'm going to encourage you, for those who are here live and those who are watching online, to share this message. I do believe this message is going to uh, be a tremendous blessing and an encouragement and answer uh, some some questions that, that we have. And so I want you to turn to the book of Micah. Micah is known as one of the minor prophets. Micah chapter number 6, verse 8. This amazing prophet, he's considered a minor prophet, not because his message is minor, but because of the length of the book. We have major prophets, which is Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. Uh, but then we have the minor prophets as well. And so Micah is categorized as one of the minor prophets. So Micah chapter 6 verse 8, it should be familiar to many of us uh, here in this text. But we want to make sure that we get an extract from this particular verse. What God has for us in this season of our lives. And so in Micah chapter 6 verse 8, I'm going to read from the English Standard Version. Then we're going to pray, and then we're going to dive into the Word of God this morning. Micah chapter 6, verse 8 says this. He has told you, O man, and that word man is not just referring to a male, it's referring to a people, and we'll see later on. He says, he he has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness, and to do what? To walk humbly with your God. Let me invite you to bow your head as we pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we are encountering you by faith. And we pray that we will respond by faith at the conclusion of this message. I pray, Father, as you know all that are gathered here and those online, you know exactly where we are. And I pray that this message will speak so clearly to lift us up, to encourage us, to challenge us, but most importantly, to change us. We honor and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing and honoring God's word. Micah is a book in the Bible that's tucked away. Perhaps you have heard of this particular text in the context of doing good, of loving humanity. You may have heard this text preached from that perspective. Can I share with you that one of the things that we must do as the body of Christ so that our message, write this down, is clear and consistent. As the church, our message does not change. One can argue That our method needs to adapt. But there's a danger sometimes in adapting our methods because we are tempted to change the message. The gospel is not popular to people who are walking out of the will of God. The Bible declares that the world is not going to love us because it hated Jesus. And so one of the things that we must be careful of is that in order for our message and your life to be lived with clarity and with consistency is that we must not take a text and make it a tagline. 
We must not take a text and move it away from its biblical context. There are some things in the word of God, and perhaps you may have encountered them. Perhaps you are struggling with them. But eventually you will get to a place where you're going to read a text that is going to be challenging for you to comprehend. The text ought to make you pause and ask God questions. The text that you encounter that is very difficult is not meant to discourage you. It's meant for you to go deeper. Someone say go deeper. And so we must be careful then that we just don't take a text and take it out of its context. It's dangerous. Therefore, people can justify any behavior that they want to, and they will end up by saying, it's what I believe. No, it's not what you believe. It's a lie from the pit of hell. This text that I read before you, I had the privilege of being the speaker at Delaware Christian School where my daughter goes, the middle school retreat. Micah 6, 8 was the theme. It's the theme for the school. I was also invited to speak at the Delaware Christian School Chapel. And again, Micah 6, 8 was the theme. And as I prepared this week and as I asked the Lord, as I often do, is I scan the congregation, I I think about you all the time. And I scan the congregation and I ask the Lord, what does the church need? It is not that I am short of preaching sermons. I love preaching. Come on, I love the word of God. It is that I want to make sure that what I'm declaring to you is God's now word, his rhema word for this moment that you're in. And every time I scan the congregation, I am reminded that I must depend on the Holy Spirit because only the Holy Spirit can move from this room over here or this side of the building all the way over to this side of the building. Those who are watching online, only the Holy Spirit knows exactly what you need. And I'm grateful for that. Because the Holy Spirit knows what you need, it then frees me of having to perform and entertain you. It frees me from having to think I have to come with the latest insight. Come on, somebody. It frees me then to trust God that it is his church and he knows exactly what he is doing. All that is required from us is this, is that we make a commitment to encounter the word of God in its totality. We must make a commitment that we're going to become, write this down, students of God's word. I want to pause there for a second because in order to become a student of God's word, there are certain disciplines that you must have to understand this message from Malachi. One of the disciplines that you must first and foremost understand is that God's word from Genesis to Revelation is absolute. That's the first thing you must understand. And number two, you must understand that what we have as the word of God is simply just a revelation that God has given of who he is for what we need right now. That there's more to God than what's written in the scriptures. Come on. That God is so big, he's so large, there is no way we can contain God. Come on. 
Solomon writes that if the highest heaven can't contain you, how in the world can we build something to contain you? And here we're told that we can walk humbly with God. That's got to mess with your mind, doesn't it? That this God who is massive, that every demon bows to and angels worship. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 6 that the angels cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. These are the angelic beings. That at the presence of God Almighty on the throne, they bow in reverence and worship to him. And here you and I are given this great opportunity that we can walk humbly with God. I don't know about you, but I got to pause and give God praise for that. I have to pause and get my praise on. That there are times, brothers and sisters, where you're going to read a text and it's going to cause you to get your praise on. Oh, come on, church. That you're going to get a text that's going to speak into your context. Come on. And you have to get your praise on. You have to take a moment and say that everything that has breath Praise the Lord God Almighty. Can we do that this morning? Can we just praise God because of who he is? Father, we thank you. We thank you that before my situation changes, I'm going to praise you. I'm going to exalt you. I'm going to magnify you. Why should you take a praise break? Because Micah is about to drop a nugget. That if the atmosphere is not one of where God is kept as the center of your focus, you will then miss the weightiness of God's heart and God's voice. What do we need as a discipline in these coming days? Not only do we have to become a student of God's word, but we must make a commitment to hear God's voice and learn from Jesus. Let that be your commitment, church. That we're going to hear God's voice and learn from Jesus. And so our text before us then is simply this. That a commentary on Micah made the following observation about the audience that Micah the prophet was addressing. He says this. Few people targeted in Micah's immediate sightline, look directly at the prophet. They bowed in shame and they turned away. Let me break it down for you that Micah was bringing such a heavy word that they couldn't look at the prophet. This word was so heavy. It was speaking to him that they decided to bow and turn away from him. Talk about the condition of the human heart. When it finds itself away from God, that when a heavy word comes, we're going to get into it. Sometimes the only response is to, I can't look directly at the prophet because the conviction is so heavy. But when you don't understand God, you're confused between shame and God's ability to bring you to a place of restoration. So many people are bowing their head in shame, turned away from God 
because they don't understand the love of God. Come on, somebody. And so the commentary continues, says, those who do not look, they either fear or they have skepticism in their eyes. They're asking the question, why are you speaking this word to me now, God? What is it that you need from me? And the message is so clear that God is saying that we must walk humbly with who? With him. In case you haven't noticed, God wants a relationship with us. Oh, thank you, Jesus. God wants a relationship with us. God will go to every extreme. Come on. To remind his people who he created that he wants a relationship with us. Another cause for a praise break. Come on. By the time we leave in the next few minutes, I hope you do cartwheels leaving this place because you're so excited about who God is and what God has revealed himself to you about. Not from just an emotional place with no substance. But from a place of a solid conviction that if God is for us, who can be against us? Oh, come on. Put your hands together for Jesus for that. If God is for the church, who can be against us? Come on. If God is for us, no sickness or disease or any demonic attack. Come on can stop God from moving in our lives. And so I speak to prophets because we all are called to prophesy that there must come a time where we are so weighty with the word of God that when we speak to people, shame gets off of them. Come on. Because we are demanding that the devil leave them alone and that they get a honest relationship with Jesus. If that is not the depth of your tone, don't preach the gospel. But make sure the depth of your tone is one of deep compassion. Why? Because the devil is messing with people's minds. Speaking lies to them. Cause them to be afraid as opposed to fear God. Having them be skeptical as opposed to surrender. And you can tell as you look at people's facial expressions. That when you bring to their attention the need to love God. They must understand that we must address behavior as well. That in God's love, he must address the behavior as well. And so Micah is addressing the behavior, but he's been trying to labor with them to understand who God is. And so the prophet, his message is clear and consistent. Can you make a commitment this morning? That from this day forward, my message of the gospel will be clear and consistent. Mm. What people are looking for is, I need a message I can trust. And so church, we are essential to society. Church, we are vital to the health of a nation. Hear me now, come on. We can no longer sit in our comfortable pew. There are people walking with a heaviness of shame and bondage. 
And we must, like Micah, declare the message of the gospel is that God is relentlessly, passionately pursuing us so we can walk humbly with him. Come on. So we must address behavior. We have done an injustice to society by overlooking behavior because we refuse to have people understand their belief system is wrong. I don't care how popular it is. If it's not according to God's word, it is not according to God's word. And the issue is not God's word. The issue is for us to deal with it until it becomes a reality in our life. And so Micah, this prophet, what he's doing, he's speaking to what is so relevant for us today. Here's what Micah, the prophet, is saying. He's waging a warfare Against a nation whose morals and theological battle is causing them to continue to have idol worship. Come on. That our sons and daughters, our children, their warfare is all about idol worship. The battle that we are facing is all about who is going to be your God. That's the battle that we're facing at the depth and the core of every behavior is who is your God? Mm. And so Micah is waging this battle against this nation that is saying we're not as bad as the other nation. But God wants to remind that this particular nation, that doesn't matter if you can compare yourself to other nations. The issue is you got to compare yourself to my word. Come on. The standard is God's word, not society's allowance. Let me say that again. The standard is God's word. And God says that my people, come on, will know the truth and the truth will set you free. That's God's word. It was idol worship. It was the destruction of Jerusalem. It was the ravaging of the Samaritans. The dishonesty of the people in leadership. And so the question was asked, the question was asked, the people says, God, what do you want from me? As a nation, we're asking God, what do you want from me? And so they answered this uh, question and it says, what, with what shall I come? This is verse six, before the Lord and bow myself before God on high. Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression and the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? God, what do you want? How can I please you is the question that's being asked. And so we ask as a nation, God, how can we please you? First and foremost, to please God, we got to put him right back in his rightful place. Listen to me, not that God left the throne. No one could take him from the throne. We've got to place him in the throne of our hearts. That's what's so important for us to understand this relationship with God. God, what do you want from me? Now, some Jewish theologians have interpreted that this particular verse, Micah 6, 8, is really a reducing of the 613 commandments to the Jewish laws that were most demanded. 613 laws. 
that they had to follow. Oh, my goodness. That there was a law for everything. Why? It was trying to change their behavior. Come on, somebody. That these laws were established to try to change their behavior. But at the core of it was a belief in who is your God. And so try as you may, continue to try as you may. I'm here to tell you that unless God is the God of your life, you will never understand what it means to live up to God's standards. Never. And so we have people who have tried to earn their salvation and been frustrated because they can't achieve it. And so they just collapse. But that's not what Micah is saying here. Micah is not saying that these three commandments summarize all 613. What Micah is saying with all this is this. God is saying to his church, to his people, it's time that you walk humbly with me. It's time that you no longer do your own thing. It's time that you invite me into your space. It's time you invite me into your life, into every room of your life. It's time that we become honest people. It's so interesting that when you talk to most believers, when you get to the root of it, we're not honest. We're not honest with God, therefore we're not honest with ourselves, and we're not honest with other people. Sometimes we get by on a technicality. Come on, Abraham. A little loophole find in the scriptures. Can I teach this thing, right? You know what I'm saying? Because the Pharisees lived this way. There was a scripture, honor your mother and father. But the Pharisees found a loophole on how they can get away from it and not have to contribute their finances to it. Religion will always find a loophole, people. Come on. It'll always find a way to justify a behavior that doesn't line up with God's belief system. And so here God is saying that we must walk humbly with him. What an invitation. What an invitation to walk humbly with God. To walk in this particular context is a figurative sense. This walk, write this down, means that it requires both a passive and active obedience towards God. So when someone says, are you walking with God? It means I'm walking in obedience. You can't say I'm walking with God and being disobedient. That's called deception. And so he's saying here that if you're going to walk humbly with God, it means that we must obey who? God. So when we look now then at this word to be humble or the word humility, we have to go back to its genesis. Because when he's saying walk humbly with me, he goes back and we can look at Genesis chapter 5 where the Bible says that Enoch walked with God and was not. In other words, we got to a place, this was after the fall, excuse me, that Enoch walked with God and he pleased God. So is it possible to walk with God, excuse me, and please him? Is it possible? (coughs) Excuse me. This requires then obedience towards God. And how we get to a place of obedience is now through this concept called humility or to be humble. And so to walk with God in humility, write this down, it means to walk beside God in a simple, beautiful state 
of sinless friendship. Oh, come on. Biblically speaking, that we look at the context of what God is saying is this, is that when you walk humbly with me, you're walking beside me in a very simple, beautiful state of sinless friendship, what we call fellowship with God. Now, I know for some of you, you may look and think, I can't do that. There's no way. That's one of the lies of the enemy is that the enemy wants us to stay in a condition of defeat and not access the uh, victory of what Christ did on the cross. Let me say that again. The enemy wants us to live perpetually in a state of defeat where we don't walk in the full victory of what Christ did on the cross for us. So whenever you look at a behavior, whenever you look at a belief, watch this now, you have to see it based on the cross. Come on. God have mercy. You have to point people to the cross. You have to take up your cross and you have to point people to the cross. So humility then gets us into the attribute of who God is and my attitude towards God. It's very important. It's critical. And so Micah is telling this particular group, he's saying you have to understand what it means to walk humbly with God. And so as we dive into it now, we're going to see that humility in its proper biblical understanding will help you walk with God today. So if you're struggling in your walk, one of the reasons perhaps is because we don't understand what it means to be humble. We don't understand what it means to have humility. And we're going to dive into it and understand what it really means. You see, and I quote, the most important thing that every believer should know is the difference, write this down, between a believer standing before God and his state. Oh, come on. That we must understand our standing before God and our state before God. The enemy will continue. For some reason, I need to keep emphasizing this. Because many battles that we are losing is because we don't know who we are. And the reason why we don't know who we are is because we really don't know who God is. And so what he's saying is this, is that you must understand the difference between your standing before God. The preaching of the gospel is to get you get to a place, understand my standing before God. That's what keeps your mind at peace. That's what keeps you not losing your mind. Come on, somebody. The reason why I haven't lost my mind, I told you before, there are times I'm driving and the enemy will send a lie and says, just drive into the pole. The reason why I ignore the enemy, the reason why that the battle is won in the mind is because I go back to my standing before God. Come on. That God is the one that made me righteous because of the cross. But my state, my condition, that I my tendencies to sin, I don't focus on that. Why? Because I apply the blood of Jesus to that part of my life, and I continue to trust God in his salvation work. Oh, that's so good. So I don't use the excuse, I'm only human. Not in my standing. Come on. No, no, no. I am a spiritual being. Come on, somebody. Having a physical experience. So although I live in this realm, my spirit connects with God in that realm. So ready. This is what Paul writes in Ephesians. Blows your mind away. You are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Your standard. Come on. Your standing. 
but you live in this earth realm. And so what we're supposed to do when we walk humbly with God is this. In obedience to my standing with God, I walk in obedience telling people, let God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Oh, God Almighty. That's why you must look for a church who preach the gospel of the kingdom. Come on, somebody. Mm. And not just Christianity. If you never hear the message of the kingdom of God, I want to question whether you're saved or not. It didn't say because you're a Christian, you'll make it to heaven. Ooh, that's some good teaching right there. Because you have people who are Christian, don't know they're standing. And the enemy is bombarding your mind and messing with you. And shame is covering you all over the place. And so the gospel is being preached and it's a sugar-coated gospel. It has no effect. We continue to live in our shame and our guilt. But when you hear the message of the gospel of the kingdom, oh, good God Almighty. Woo, something about you changed. Why? Because Jesus says, this is what Jesus says. Can I tell you what Jesus says? Unless you're born again, you can't enter the kingdom. Unless you are born again of the spirit, you can't enter into the kingdom of God. In Galatians, when he talks about the works of the flesh, if you read it, you know what he says? That anyone who does this cannot inherit the kingdom. Not church membership. You can live anywhere you want to be part of a church. You can be an American and be part of the church. Come on. But we must get to a place of where we understand our standing before God. Listen, if you want peace, it's found in your standing with God, not your state. Come on. If you want joy, it's in your standing before God. If you want hope, it's found in God, not in circumstances. You can't hope yourself into happiness. No. It's from the place of understanding the kingdom of God. And I'm here to venture that once you understand the kingdom message, hear me now, you will live contrary to society. You will live contrary. Contrary to society, when you understand the kingdom, why do you understand that humility is a kingdom word? Come on. It's a kingdom word. So let's define humility, how it's lived out in most people based on their state, not understanding. A lot of times when you have a relationship with people, and this we have to be careful as church people, we must understand we never follow the narratives of the world. We don't. Although we're part of this world, we never follow the narrative of this world. We don't speak the world's language. You got to get this, church. You got to get this. We don't speak the world's language. It is a language of withholding. It is a language of demonic influence. The world, I don't care how nice they want to be. I don't care how great they want to be. They can never, ever speak the kingdom language without them encountering the king of the kingdom. So if you want to be influential in the world, speak kingdom language. Love is a kingdom language. But in order for it to manifest in a behavior, they take it from the kingdom and they bring it to this realm. Come on, somebody. How can you read John's gospel that says God is love and then bring it into this, uh, this realm right here? You got to keep it where it is. 
And so when we deal with individuals, when we talk together, I'm amazed at how so much of our relationships are based ready on natural things. We don't base things on spiritual things. We base things on natural things. And so Micah is saying, that's your problem, is that you're coming with natural things. What do you want from me, God? Do you want a calf? Do you want a rivers of oil? What do you want from me, God? He says, why do you keep coming natural? Why do you keep thinking that you can actually pay God to love you? Come on. You can't do it. It's a kingdom thing. So humility is a word of the kingdom. And so when we get together with people, it's amazing. So here's what we do. Here's what the church does to be relevant. We invent Christianese. We invent things that sound biblical, but they're not. Come on, somebody. And when you sound biblical, but you're not, in this day of enlightenment, you cause confusion. So people are confused about what humility is because they hear it sounds this way but when they look at it in light of where they are they're now confused so hold on is humility a virtue or a vice come on come on is humility something that i should pursue as a value or is it simply something that is hard to understand you see our attempts to be humble easily backfires and i quote We wish to be humble, or wish to be humble, excuse me, turns out to be motivated by a deeper desire to be better than others. So really, we are hiding our need to get promoted, and so we perceive to be humble, and the reality of God says, you're not humble at all. You're using a Christian language based on enlightenment to position yourself because you really want to be better than somebody else. That is so good. So when someone says, I'm humble, that's probably a sign right there that they're not. (laughs) Come on, somebody. God wants us to be honest. Write that down. God wants us to be honest people. And there's no way we can be humble or have humility without a kingdom language that connects us to it. That's worth the price of admission you paid to come today. That's it right there. So what's humility? It's a kingdom language. How do I walk humbly with God? It's a kingdom walk. It's a walk of the kingdom. It's where God rules and reigns. So here's what we do. Okay, so because of that, here's what we do now. Um, So we define humility as this. It's the freedom from pride or arrogance, the quality or state of being humble. That's the English definition of it. So when someone says that they are humble, what they're saying is this, is that I'm free from pride. We don't know it's pride yet. Come on. Or arrogance. The quality or state of being humble. So humility is often characterized as a genuine gratitude and a lack of arrogance, a modest view of oneself. And that is where we get tripped up is because the enemy always wants us to start with us first and not with God. The enemy will always want us to start with us first as opposed to God. Can I teach this, please? Can I teach this? That's why when he came in Genesis chapter three, he says, what did God say? Okay, ignore that. You will be like God. Come on. You will be like God. Put self ahead of God. 
And that is the battle that we're having. So in the English definition of humility, it really just breaks it down to a place of where we have a modest view of oneself. Well, let's go to Latin. Um, in the Latin language, humility then has to do with your life. And so the word humility is derived from the word humus. Humus. It's a Latin word that means ground, soil, or the earth. So we're getting closer now. Come on, we're getting closer. How did God make us? Where did God make us from? From what? The dirt, from the ground. Come on. So where the English says it's a state of one's modest view of oneself, the Latin goes a little bit deeper. And the Latin says that this word humility comes from the place of the soil, of the ground. And what he's saying is this, is that you must have humility as a value in your life because you are grounded and rooted in your conviction or your values. That's still better than someone just having a state of humility. When you are grounded and when you are rooted, at least we can say you are who you are. Come on, somebody. I'd rather be talking to somebody that actually lives out their conviction. It's wrong, but at least they're living it out. Come on. And so what they're saying is this, is that I'm rooted and I'm grounded in this particular way of looking at myself. So humility from the Latin And in your life, it frees people from having to pretend that they are more. It frees people from having to pretend that they are more than. Come on. It frees people. We need to get free. And this is what happens is that a value can free you, but a voice from God will set you free. Come on. So as much as we live by values, hear me now, church, we're going to live by the voice of God. That's a great place to give God a praise break right there. That values are great for your life, but if you really want to encounter God, we have to do it because we heard the voice of God. Because we heard the voice of God. This is where we are right now. Do you want to live a life of value or do you want to live a life of the voice of God? And so we are right now. Are we going to listen to the voice of God and learn from Jesus? Or are we going to just live with the value of where we say, I'm not pretending who I am. In other words, I'm going to do me. You ever hear that? I'm just going to do me. I'm just just going to, I'm not burking. I'm I'm going to have it my way. Listen, no one probably told you when you got saved, you don't belong to yourself anymore. (laughs) That when you gave your heart to Jesus, guess who you belong to now? You belong to Jesus. We don't like that because that requires humility. Come on. (laughs) So we want Jesus and we want to keep our value system. It doesn't work that way. God's voice is going to challenge your value system. I can do this way. So, so you have a child, and I'm amazed, especially being a parent. I think one of the most difficult jobs in the world is being a parent. Blade Daddy's going to figure that out. You see what I'm saying? It, it's, it's a difficult thing, being a parent. One of the hardest things. And so you're trying to give your kids the values and, and all those things. But there will come a time where your child is going to challenge the value because they picked it up from the world and the voice of God. And you have to be in a position, are you going to listen to the voice of God or are you going to listen to the value? For example, everybody else is doing it. I don't care if that's the value system. The voice.
says, this is what the word of the Lord says. And so, people will look for a community to fellowship with because they want to know what your values. But when you start preaching the voice of God, oh, all of a sudden it changes now. Because you see, as much as the Latin is better than the English dictionary of humility, it still lacks one thing. It still is about the person and not about God. So what am I saying? I'm saying this. Desire values in leadership and in leaders. But please, not at the expense of reducing the voice of God in your life. So how are we going to live? We're going to live based on the voice of God. What is God speaking to you? Pause for a second. What is God saying to you? Some of the reasons why we don't hear God's voice is because we've never really understood biblical humility. We've always made it about us and biblical humility, humility, excuse me, makes it about God. So let me give you a couple of things of what biblical humility really is when you're walking with God. Ready for this? Write this down. Number one. Number one. If you're going to walk humbly with God, this is the first thing that you have to look at. We have to understand that biblical humanity, write this down, biblical humility, excuse me, is grounded in the nature of God. Let me teach you for the last couple of minutes I have now. Biblical humility is grounded in the nature of God. So in other words, living with the right understanding of who God is. Nothing to do with you. Humility has nothing to do with you whatsoever. It begins with us understanding, are we grounded in the nature of God? So when we say God is love, what does that mean? When we say God is mercy, what does that mean? When we say God is holy, what does that mean? When we say God is just, what does that mean? When we say vengeance belongs to God, what does that mean, people? And so we have to understand then that biblical humility is grounded in the nature of God. So then love is a product of selfless humility. We cannot truly love or be loved without humility. Humility is saying that we depend on God and not our own strength. Humility says that we didn't make it by yourself. God made it possible. In other words, every time that you overcome something should be a praise in your mouth. Come on. Every time you wake up in the morning time, you give God praise. Why? Because God is the one that sustained you through the night. There are people who didn't wake up this morning. Come on, somebody. And it doesn't make you better. It's the nature of God and God's mercy. So when you wake up, you give God praise and glory. Oh, come on. What God was teaching me in the last two weeks, he says, Ro, I'm here to teach you that humility comes before honor. I said, what? He says, yes. He says, you had in the wrong order. You had honor, humility, and then honesty. And God's like, no, read the Bible. God rebuked me. That I meant well by saying, well, it's honor first and then humility. Then I read the scripture where in Proverbs, Solomon says that humility comes before honor. God says, guess what? You got to change what you preach, bro. Well, that's a good lesson right there. Come on. Are you humble enough to know my nature to change so you don't have to be prideful when you go before people? Oh, come on. He says, you thought it was honor first, but you read the text, and guess what? No, humility comes first before honor. So we're trying to honor God. We're trying to honor other people, and God's like, you can't. Why? Because you don't know what biblical humility is. 
It's about the nature of God. Who is God? Who is God? So the first thing is biblical humility is grounded in the nature of God. It's living with the right understanding of who God is. If you walk away and take anything from today's message, please take that. When someone says, how come you're humble? Oh, no, 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 no. Let's not get it twisted. Biblical humility is the nature of God. It's a kingdom walk of obedience is what I'm doing. Don't you put that on me. Come on. Don't you put that on me. I'm not saying you can't praise. I'm not saying you can't give applause. But what I'm telling you right now is if we don't understand the biblical humility, when someone gives us praise, it'll get to our head and we think we did it. Come on, somebody. And after a while, we think that we're all that and we neglect God. We don't need him anymore because, look, we're doing it. God's like, no, no. When someone gives you praise, you give it to God. When someone acknowledges your success, you give it to God. Come on, somebody. When someone says, look at what you've accomplished, you tell them, thank you, but my standing is with God. When someone says, wow, look how strong you are. says, no, 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 baby. It's the strength of God Almighty. When people says, how are you handling this mess? It's because God is my redeemer. God is my source. I wish I had a church this morning that wants to give God praise for his nature. It is God. I remember one of my friends, he was saying, Ro, we were walking. And he was saying, man, how come this has happened in your life? And I said to him, it's God. He goes, no, 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 no. Give me something practical. I'm like, before I can give you practical, i got to be theological. Come on, somebody. I've got to let you know it's not just my offering. It's because of my honor in God. That's what it is. The second thing is this, humility. And are placed within God's purpose and plan. Humility and are placed within God's purpose and plan. Write that down. God's purpose and plan. God's purpose and God's plan. If you know God's purpose and God's plan for your life, humility is not just a value. Humility becomes the voice of God in your life. That is so good right there. It's knowing our place. We were placed in a created order. God first. Come on, somebody. That's the order. Nobody should be on God's throne in your life except God. We are humble. You have a family that's blessed, I'm humbled, but God is still the one in authority. Come on, somebody. My business is prospering, guess who? No, God is still the one that's in the proper order. Come on, somebody. I achieve this particular goal I had, guess what? No, God is still the one that has that order. It's God. Why? Because I want to walk humbly with him. I want to work humbly with him. See, one of the most deadliest things that we have to understand is pride. Pride separates us from God. And if we are not careful and don't acknowledge and appreciate the eternal sovereignty of our Lord, then we run the risk of being people who have pride and live separate from. Separated from God is because of pride. That they won't acknowledge him as God. They won't recognize his nature and they won't submit to God's purpose and plan. So the question should be, if you love this nation, what we're supposed to be doing is this. God... What is your purpose and plan for this nation? And our ears are open to the voice of God to get the direction that we need. 
So now you can see my first, and this is be on screen, is people walking away from God because they don't understand humility. They walk away from God. Perhaps you know somebody who has walked away from God. They're no longer walking in obedience. What has happened? Let me equip you. Let me equip you with just these couple of points to help. You see, as you're walking humbly with God, keep your eyes open. He says that they, they, they look for justice and they, they do what? And they look for acts of kindness. And one of the ways of doing that is that as you walk humbly with God, you then encounter people who've walked away from God. And you remind them that this is the case. That when you lack the quality of humility in your relationship with God, you destroy opportunities that God has for you to take to the next level in your life. Can I break it down? So when you know someone who's walked away from the Lord, here's what they have done. Is that they have walked away from opportunities to go to the next level in their walk with the Lord. In other words, God has always been about, according to Jeremiah 29, 11, to prosper and to bless people. How do you walk away from God? You don't understand biblical humility. How do you walk away from God? It's because pride has filled your heart or a false sense of progress. And there's something we're hiding from God. You see, apart from God's intervention, even the most self-controlled image bearer can still walk away from God. Let me say that again. Apart from God's intervention, apart from biblical humility, even the most self-controlled image bearer can still walk away from God. Let me say that one more time. Apart from biblical humility, understand the nature of God and our order in God's plan and purpose. If we don't understand that, even the most self-controlled, value-honoring individual can still walk away from God. How can somebody who encountered God walk away from God? How is that even possible to have tasted of God and walk away? And so Micah is saying, it is possible. Micah is saying, this is what's required of you. Walk humbly with your God or you're going to walk away from God. And so the reason why we must keep our eyes open now. And according to the screen right there, you look and you see that there's a path that's being walked on. And what we must become, we must be people because we are humble that we're going to keep our eyes open now. We're going to keep our eyes where we can see justice. Why? Because if people are not walking with the Lord, they'll walk away from him. We're going to look for kindness. Why? Not because of some tagline, but because it is vital. Because God is looking for a relationship with his people. You know people right now that's walked away from God. Write their names down or get in your mind. And at the core of it, you could tell them, you don't understand biblical humility. That you actually think that you have it within you to walk away from the grace of God. That you actually, excuse me, have reached a place. <coughs> excuse me. That you've reached a place where you can think you can walk away from God. The arrogance of that. Come, Richie. I want us to land right here. There are people you and I know that have walked away from God. 
There's no reason why that every chair in this church can't be. There's no reason why every church in Marion shouldn't be filled with people. Jesus says the harvest is plentiful. It's because people are walking away from God because they haven't seen biblical humility. They haven't seen the nature of God and they don't know the voice of God in their life. Why is that? There might be some more that you know, but let me leave you with these. This is why. Number one, it's Satan's tactics to keep people away from God. I want you to write that down. We've domesticated our demons, come on, and call it human nature. It's demonic, it's satanic, and it's messing with the body of Christ. First and foremost, people walk away from God because Satan is behind the scenes and he's saying, domesticate your demon. It is normal. And the Bible says, no, biblical humility starts with the nature of God. And God has set you free to be in a relationship with him. That God looks at both mercy and medicine. Come on, somebody. And humility looks balanced, and that's why you heard me over and over again. I said that we will be a biblically balanced church. We will never follow the narratives of this world. Come on. We will never follow the current culture. We will always go against the culture. Why? Because behind the culture is a demonic spirit that wants us to walk away from God. The devil is real, people. He's not some dude with a pitchfork. And some tail and horns. That's too easy. The devil is the one that will sit with those Jesus chose and says, the one I dip my bread with, that's the one. We're worrying about demonic manifestation of the, of, of, of the demoniac where they're foaming at the mouth. But when I read my Bible, the enemy entered Judas, demonic, come on, and it looked normal. And what did Judas do? He walked away from God. Come on. Walked away from God. Write down that name of that person you know that's walked away from God. And because we are people of the spirit and we understand biblical humility, it first begins. It's Satan's tactic to keep them away from God. That's what it is. That's why, thank God, that Blaine's ministry and they walk the streets is to break the power of the devil over people's lives. But I want to encourage you to leave the four walls and walk into the hallways. Come on and tell people, God is here to set you free. Devil, let them go in Jesus' name. Walking away from God. Oh, no. It ends right here. Come on, tell your kids it ends right here. You will walk humbly with God. Oh, come on. You will understand biblical humility. You will understand the need to have God in your life. It's Satan's tactic. The second thing we must break. Someone say, what must we break? We must break shame off of people that separates them from God. Come on, church. Biblical humility makes you understand that the power that lives within me can break shame off of your life and can break the sin that separates you from God. It is sin that separates you from God, not God's love. It is sin that separates you from God. 
Genesis 3, 8 to 11 says that God came walking. Come on. He's always looking. He's walking right now. But he's saying shame because of sin that separates. Do you have many people in the city of Marin and in your city that shame is keeping them back from fellowship? That they're thinking, oh my goodness, there's no way that God can ever forgive me. They think it's about them. They think their sin is so big that God can't forgive it. Can you believe the pride and the audacity to think that your sin, oh, I would come on, to think that your sin is so big that God can't forgive it? And so they live hiding. They live in shame and they don't want to come around because their sin is so big. Listen, there's nothing that you have done that God doesn't know about it. And don't you think because your sin is small that there's categories of sin. Come on. Shame affects you regardless of what it is. Whether you're a murderer or not. Come on, somebody. One of the greatest joys I've had is when I go into the prisons to preach the gospel. And when I walk in there, they are so free. Why? Because they recognize that no matter what they did, that shame can no longer keep them bound up. Come on. They might be locked up, but they're not bound up. Come on, somebody. And then I come to people who are free on the outside, and they're so bound with shame. Why? Because sin separates us from God because of shame. Your kids, your loved ones. Your co-workers, it's shame. They miss one service. They miss two service. They miss three. All of a sudden, it's shame now, right? And they can't show their face away. They just go somewhere else to start over again. And the same thing happens, happens over again. The devil is a liar. Come on, let's break shame's curse right now. Walking away from God because of shame. Number three, Satan's lies that we believe. We walk away because we realize we achieved success. We don't need God anymore. That's a lie. Hey, I got what I wanted. I'm walking away from God. That's a lie. You don't need fellowship with the church anymore. I'm 18. That's a lie. You're bored with God, so I'm going to try something new. That's a lie. I'm going to walk away. You are disappointed with God. Didn't answer your prayer, so you're going to walk away. Lies from the pit of hell. Because the result of shame. You see, here's another reason why people are walking away from God. Strong teaching. Strong gospel teaching that people don't no longer want to hear. John 6, 66. John 6, 66, the number of men. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. Why? Because of a strong teaching. John chapter 2, verse 8 and 9 says this, And be very careful. Be very careful around them so you don't lose out on what you've worked so diligently in together. I want you to get every reward you have coming to you. Hear me now. I want you to get every reward you have coming to you. Anyone who gets so progressive in his thinking that he walks out of the teachings of Christ walks out on God. Let me say it again. Anyone who gets so progressive in his thinking that he doesn't need God, that he walks out of the teachings of Christ walks out on God. But whoever stays with the strong teaching, come on, and stays faithful to both the Father and the Son, this is the person 
who walks humbly with God. With every head bowed, every eyes closed. There is a hurting world out there. There are people who are sick right now. There are people who are confused right now. There are people that are wondering what is going on. They have walked away from God. But God is saying to this church and to all those who are listening, as you walk humbly with God, keep your eyes open for those who walked away from God. Write their names down and teach them biblical humility. And watch God do a work in them that you have to give God the glory, the honor, and the praise. Perhaps you're here this morning, you've walked away from God. I want you to know right now, don't allow shame to hold you back from having a kingdom relationship with Jesus. Come on, be honest. Are you a child of God? Not because you said a prayer when you were eight years old or when you were five years old. That right now you're saying, God, I don't want to walk away from you anymore. That I want to walk humbly with you. If that's you right here, I want you to be bold. And with every head bowed, every eyes closed, to lift that hand up and says, God, if I am honest, I have walked away from you. With every head bowed, every eyes closed, come on. Those watching online, have you walked away from God? This morning, I want to make it available to you that God is here and he's saying, if you know my nature and if you know my purpose and plan, come to me. Come to me. Come to me. Okay, there it is. There it is. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, open up your eyes. Here, here, here's, here's the homework. Here's where we're going for the month of November. I want to touch you where we're going. Next Sunday, we're going to look at a heart of humility. We're going to look at Jesus. We're going to look at Jesus. Your assignment this week is the person name that you put on the list that's walked away from God. Trust God that you're going to ask them, what is it about God that made you walk away? Is it shame? Is it the enemy? What lies are you listening to? I want you to spend this week and ask the Lord, God, open my eyes to those who have walked away from you, God, because I know it's your desire that you walk humbly with them. And then I want you to do the bold thing and invite them to a corporate gathering of other believers who are walking humbly with God. Because next Sunday, we're going to talk about a heart of humility. We're going to talk about Jesus in a way that 
just absolutely blows our mind to realize how important Jesus is. That we must have a heart of humility. Why? Because we know Jesus. And then the final is going to be seven days walking humbly with God. How is it possible to walk every day humbly with God? God revealed it to me. The seven things that we must do. That humility opens us up to the nature of God. It's going to be so absolutely amazing. And then we're going to pray for healing. We're going to pray for God to manifest an encounter. Come on, somebody. We're going to fast and we're going to pray. But I'm telling you, these seven days walking humbly with God, it is possible because with God, all things are possible. Stay with us. Because these seven days of walking humbly with God is going to change your mind about who God is. Father, we thank you so much for all that you're doing. We thank you for your goodness and your grace and your kindness. We honor you and we praise you. You're worthy of all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen, amen and amen. The Lord bless you. The Lord cause face to shine upon you. The Lord be gracious unto you and give you peace as you walk humbly with God. Let him open your eyes to see those who walked away from him and present the gospel of the kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.